they called him the Hammer. That was his nickname. He used to, you know, he used to put a lot of seats, people in the seats, apparently, because as soon as they dropped the puck, he'd just grab somebody and start feeding them, you know. And he was drunk on the ice a lot, is the stories I hear. You know, he'd put a 40 down before the game. They'd go out, drop the puck, and he'd just go toe-to-toe -to -toe with somebody. And apparently he wasn't a very good fighter. He got beat a lot, but the crowd used to love it. You know the difference between hockey and those other sports? You gotta be tough to be a hockey player. I idolized Dominic Hasek. I played goalie because of Dominic Hasek. My life in hockey has been started because of Sabres hockey. I didn't need playoffs this year. I wanted it, but I didn't need it. But when you screw up for the fans as much as the team has over the last, like, five years, and just don't hold yourself accountable, I'm sorry. I'll hang up and listen. I'm sorry. Welcome to Two Goalies, One Mike, an in-depth look and behind-the-mask conversation about the greatest game on earth, where everything goes and nothing's off limits. Now I'll tell you something about this guy. This is only three minutes, eh? Whammo! Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 29 of Two Goalies, One Mike. I'm your co-host, Johnny Cohen, joined alongside Dwayne Stanell, as always, and we are Proud to present a uh, former NHL goalie, current goaltender coach and assistant coach, if I'm not mistaken, for Arizona State, Eddie Lack. Eddie, thanks for being here, man. <laughs> thanks for having me, boys. Yeah, Eddie, thanks, man. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. I know I reached out to you mon months and months ago about, about uh, coming on with us. Sorry, it took us this long to get you on. But, you know, timing is everything. And we got Vancouver in a uh, second-round position in the playoffs right now. Uh, going into game two tonight against um, the, the Golden Knights. Uh, so I can't wait to touch base with you on that and, uh, you know, obviously your career. So speaking of career, I wanted, to, uh, I wanted to pick your brain a little bit, Eddie. We've seen, um, you know, Sweden pump out some of the best goalies in, in the National Hockey League. And um, so starting out for you, um, you played in Lexand. And um, what was that like? You started off playing, you know, minor hockey there. Can you touch a little bit about what that was like playing minor hockey coming up? Great, great. I mean, uh, I do feel like uh, Sweden has a great uh, minor league program and everything. And, like, the, the nice thing about it is that uh, if you're good enough back home, you get to play pro pretty early, right? And, and, and uh, uh, there's a lot of guys that start playing pro and playing with men when they're like 16, 17, 18, right? So that that's like a, a huge difference compared to over here. But but uh, I, I uh, the first time that I got the chance to play and everything, it, it was just great. I had Ed Belfour as my goalie partner when I played in Lexington. So, yeah. That, that was pretty sweet. That must have been Eddie, Bell, Eddie the Eagle. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of, speak, go ahead. No, sorry, speaking of nicknames, how did you get the nickname the Stork? I don't know. I just think, like, with my frame, like, the tall frame, like, the skinny legs and everything like that, I think that just came. And, <laughs> and, and, and yeah, it, it, uh, 
uh, stuck with me for for a while, and then when I came over here, they start calling me a special ad too. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I I I've had a lot of nicknames. I didn't mean to cut you off there, Johnny. I just, no, I just no, saw that. Just, all good. Um, I was yeah, I was just reading through, and and you mentioned playing at the the J18 and the J20 level. And then, like you mentioned, in um, in 2008-9, getting, you know, promoted to the top team. Um, and, you know, what was that like having a guy like Ed Belfort? Like, and did you did you follow the NHL much um, when you were growing up? Or, or was it more, you know, keeping up with the, the top league in Sweden? Yeah, no. I've, I've uh, always loved the NHL, and I always knew that I wanted to play in the NHL. Like, uh, growing up – Peter Forsberg was my fa- 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 favorite player. So I just uh, uh, loved the Colorado Avalanche. And, and uh, like, I didn't watch a lot of games, like, because of the time difference and everything. But I always uh, uh, watched, like, the scores and the highlights and everything when I woke up in the morning. So, yeah, I uh, 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 NHL was always – something that I was like uh, extremely interested in. Who was your, uh, did you mention Peter Forsberg being one of your favorite players? Who was your favorite NHL goalie growing up? Did you have a favorite, like that you tried to mold your game after? Or? I had multiple. So like, uh, I, I, I started playing because of uh, Tommy Salo. I love to- Tommy. Uh, then, uh, Patrick Roy, Dominic Hasek, Marty Brodeur, like those are like the four that I follow, follow, followed, right? And 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 uh, I I wouldn't say that I tried to mold myself after one. It was more just like taking little stuff from each guy, right? That I liked. What did you take from Hasek? Because <laughs> honestly, like it's a good, it's a good question. Like, what, what, from watching Dominic Hasek, what exactly from his style did you you take? Wayne is possibly the biggest Hasek fan in the world. Just a heads up, Eddie. I might be. I might be. I I think that what he did best was two things. First, his foot footwork was just phenomenal. Like like, uh, the guy could really skate, even though he like. Uh, get used to making these desperation saves a little bit like to a fault sometimes right but but uh the footwork that he had was like phenomenal right so so uh, just like the skating and stuff was something that i tried to mi- mimic which is which is obviously extremely tough <laughs> oh yeah but, uh, the second part is like the desperation saves that he had, just, just like uh, finding a way to make the save, and like like he was the best at that, but he's like still the best that that we've ever had at at that, right? And 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 I don't really think that there's gonna come someone ever that's be- be- better than. Uh, than what he was at it. So, so we have you on the record. Are you are you saying that Dominic Ashik is the goat? <laughs> uh, on the record. I don't think I don't think Hank will hear this. 
I'm very careful with the goat because like those three, like Broder, Roa, Hasek, like those all have like a special place in my heart. Like Pat, Pat, Patrick Roa because he obviously played for the Colorado Avalanche, which was my fa- favorite team. Uh, but if I had to pick one of them, I'd probably pick Hasek. Just like look at his stats and everything. Like, like, like they were just out of this world. I saw something today that was like during that, during that stretch that Hashik had, I want to say it's like, let's say 94, 95 to like 2000. The league, 95, 2000. The league average for save percentage was at like 902 or like 905. Hashik for all five of those years was in like the 929, 930. I don't know if you guys saw it, but it was just putting that visual to it was incredible. Dwayne, you saw it? Yep. And not to mention, Cully. I mean, he didn't have Hall of Famers on his team with the Sabres. He didn't get that those type of teams until he got to Detroit. And I mean, I mean, nothing, I'm not trying to take it away from because we had Razor on the show recently, and they had, they had good defensive hockey teams. But what the only after Patty Lafontaine left his organization, the only All Star, you know, All Star game player he had was Alexi Zhitnik. I mean, yeah, what but does I, that I, have I, to say about- I can appreciate what Eddie said that I think it's it's hard yeah. to pick a goat for me because like all three were good they were great in their own way, right? And they yeah. have a little bit different style to them. And and that's Eddie, like I like your answer that for me I, I didn't try to mold myself after one goalie, but picking bits and pieces out of these, you know, these best of all time and what they all did specially. Like I love that Wall was such a gamer, such a competitor. You know, he had a warrior that I read in his book and that became one of my ABCs that I told myself, you know, hands, hands in front, white ice, be a warrior. That's from Wah. I love the way that Brodeur was, you know, innovative in his safe collection and that he wasn't afraid to try new things. And Dominic Hasek has a ton of that as well. And you touched on the skater. So I think that, you know, having for younger goaltenders, having, you know, a good group of goalies to mold yourself after is probably the best way to do it. Right. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I want to ask you this on, on that note. So you get, you get called up. What's your, it's your NHL draft year. You don't get picked. Um, and, uh, you know, but you get called up to the SHL. Um, and ironically, you're playing with Jacob Markstrom, right? Yeah. So yeah. What, was that, yeah. what was that first year like in the SHL? You know, is, is it a big difference <laughs> where you were playing in Lexington to the SHL or is it, you know, how would you compare it? So I went from like a team. So Lexand was like by far the best team in the league, right? Uh, so I went from uh, playing on the best team to kind of like being with a middle of the pack team, right? So uh, that was the only thing that was just like uh, the. Uh, uh, adjustment for me like I I don't think that um, we had that much better team with Brinas than what we had with Lexand but uh, the league in general is like so much better right so so yeah that must have been sweet and then what was that like did you know Jacob Markster before then or was that how you met him so we played uh, against each other with like exhibition games and everything we actually almost got got in a fight during an exhibition game uh, the year before so uh, there was like 
almost like a bench clear out and and <laughs> we were kind of just like looking at each other and it's like uh, the game before the league is supposed to start and like if you fight in Sweden you get like three four game suspension and everything like that and we're just like uh like should we do this or should 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 we not right but uh, we didn't end up fight, fighting, and uh, then uh, when I signed with Brines the next year, like uh, we really turned into like a good friendship and everything like that. And 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 uh, yeah, I I uh, love playing with Marky. He's had a hell of a run right now. I know that we're gonna get to that in a little bit. Dwayne, did you have any follow-ups on that? No, I just think it's cool that, you know, um, just his his rise to professional hockey and that he ended up actually crossing paths with Marky. That's, that's, that's pretty dope. It's, it's it's cool to get some inside information, some insight on uh, Markstrom's game from a guy who played with him at such a young age. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, uh, I think that Marky's way was not as, like, straight – to the top as he would have wa- wanted right like like he was he had to fight for all, it uh, before he came over here he was always like the best goalie not playing in the in the nhl right and uh, everyone kind of expected him to be like m- most maybe one year in the ahl before he was going to get his chance in the, the nhl right but uh, he just had had to go through like some adversity and growing up and everything like that and just just living on his own right like when he played in Sweden everyone uh, that he loved was just like right around the corner for him he could go home to his mom for dinners and everything right and like then then uh, once he came over here, he kind of had 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 to uh, just uh, adjust and like go out uh, go out more uh, on his own and like get food by himself and like find new friends and everything like that. So uh, that was just an adjustment for him. Uh, but I mean, now he's playing unbelievable right yeah i mean i yep. think we see that a lot with with not not just european players but i mean everybody kind of you go through that uh you know even through junior you're close enough to home but then like part of becoming a pro as i call it like is is learning how to manage your time and and, and do the right things off the ice and kind of get into a rhythm and, and like you said it took him a while but now as he steps into that he's might be the best goalie he might be playing the best hockey right now out of anybody and um it's fun to see, and that's got to be fun for you as somebody, you know, as one of his friends and former teammates. That's great. Um, talk about transitioning for you, you know, after it looks like you had some success in, in the SHL. Um, you know, you went on to have some pretty good numbers, a two six seven goals against and a nine eleven save percentage. It was enough for the, you know, the Canucks to, to sign you in that offseason. Uh, did that come as a surprise after, you know, you were ranked pretty high for that draft and a ninth overall for European goaltenders. Yep. I mean, usually guys get drafted there. Was it disappointing not getting drafted? And in, in, in the second part of that question, what was it like when Vancouver did finally sign you? Yeah, no, I, I 
uh, was hoping to get drafted, but like I didn't expect it, and and like I always kind of knew that if I just did my part and like I worked on my game and I kept working hard in practice and like try to develop every single day, right? Like like goalies take so so much longer than players to develop, so it's just so hard to know who's going to be good uh, at 18, like who's going to be good when they're 25, 26, right? <laughs> so yeah, it's true. Uh, uh, I didn't really pay that, that much uh, attention to, uh, to, to it. Like I heard that Atlanta was interested in just uh, drafting me and everything, but, 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 uh, uh, I didn't really hear more than that. So uh, for me, I was ba- basically just happy that they were interested in like the first place, right? So yeah. uh, then the Vancouver thing kind of came as a shock because I was Jacob Marston's backup and like I didn't uh, uh, play until like November, I think, because uh, the first three months uh, of the season, I was just hurt. So uh, I didn't expect to sign an NHL deal that quick. I kind of expected to stay in Sweden another year or two maybe. But uh, when the opportunity came, I honestly didn't really think about it. Like for me, most most... European goalies that come over has to spend two or three years at least in the minors, right? And I just figured that, like, why not start those two or three years now instead of wait another year and a half? And, like, then I still have to, like, spend, like, two or three years in the minors, right? So, yeah, I I, kind of just wanted to get it going. (laughs) It's because it's a big transition, right? I mean, you're going from a, you know, a bigger ice surface to a smaller ice surface. You're going two completely different styles of play compared to what over in Europe, over here in North America. So, I mean, it is a huge adjustment, especially for a goaltender at that age. And, you know, we know here in, in Buffalo, I mean, you, you played with him, Ryan Miller. Ryan Miller didn't come into the league until he was like, what, 25, 26 years old? Yeah. Uh, it does take a long time for a goaltender to develop. Yeah. Yeah, and like that's uh, that's my whole point. Like, like it's so hard to draft goalies. Like, uh, you look at some like Carter Hart. Like, that's a lock. Like, like everyone knew that he was gonna be good. Like Mark Andre Fleury. Like those guys, right? But those guys don't grow on trees. And 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 and. I just feel like uh, picking a goalie when they're 18 is just so tough because you have no idea how they're going to develop. For sure. For sure. So you get in the AHL and um, that's when, uh, you know, it went from the Manitoba Moose and then when the Winnipeg coming back, it changes to, what was it, the Ice Hogs or Chicago Wolves? Chicago Wolves, yeah. So, I mean – you talk about, you know, spending, earning your keep and spending your time in the minors to get there. You did pretty well. Um, you, you get named to the AHL All-Rookie Team. 
Um, then you had a good run there in the, the 2011 Calder Cup playoffs. Um, some really strong numbers. 199 goals against and a 932 save percentage. 12 games. Not too shabby, Eddie. And then um, right after – We lost in game seven. Triple overtime. To Hamilton? Second round. Yep. Yep. <laughs> well, do you remember the goal? Yeah. We always remember those goals. Isn't it that cool? just like a we do. We goal? We do. Like, uh, so uh, there's a face-off in the neutral zone, and the guy dumped the puck and uh, hit the board and kind of bounced out. And I didn't know, like, should I go out and play it or stay in, right? And I stayed in, and he just, like, sniped it, barring in, right? And I was just like, all right, well, maybe I should have went out and played it. Well, those ones are tough. I know I, I, I can't see it, but I know what you're talking about. It kind of bounces out in no man's land, and you have to make that split decision. And what's tough is those shooters, they get to walk right in and pound it, right? Exactly. on a tee for them. I've been in that situation already, and it's because it's, you never know the bounce off the boards. If you don't, my rule when I'm teaching boys now is if you have any hesitation whether to play it or not, you can't play it. It's got to be that, play staying up. Yeah. And yeah, uh, staying up. Right. And those are tough. And like I said, it's sitting right on a tee for those guys. And we kind of just got to do our best to, to play our angles, stay big, and not a lot of time to react to those shots. So obviously a tough way to lose, but I mean, you did your job. Um, and then right after that, you get called up to, to the Canucks, who were on the, a pretty impressive playoff run, right? What was that like getting up, being part of the Black Aces with that group? Cool, cool. I mean, I just like uh, going from Winnipeg and everything and like uh, getting called up for like yeah. – the black ace like it was just so cool with the playoffs there and like the whole city's bussing and 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 yeah i mean it was sick so i i have to ask you have two awesome goalies on that club Corey schneider and roberto luongo and i remember i was still playing at the time and there was a lot of controversy i was in canada so you know how like when you're in canada tsn is all hockey all the time it's yeah. different than being in the States. And I remember they were constantly talking about, you know, what should they do with Luongo if he's not playing? Is Corey Schneider the guy? And Corey Schneider went on a tear. Um, anything that you picked up from, from being on the ice with those guys? Uh, you know, what, what were they like? Great, great. I mean, at that point, Lou was still, like, the clear-cut number one, right? And, like, Lou uh, – was the guy that got him to the Stanley Cup final and everything in the game seven. But um, just being close to them and just seeing how hard they worked in practice and like their preparations and everything, like uh, that was super, super cool. Plus, they're like really nice guys too, right? <laughs> I've heard, we've heard that a couple of times about Rural Luongo. I forget, Dwayne, who was it the other day that was talking? Was it Cam Jansen that was talking about him or somebody was talking Cam. about how Luongo's a beauty? Um, oh, no, it was uh, Jean-Luc Grandpierre. Uh, Jean he told Jean -Luc. us, yeah, here, get this, get this, Eddie. Here's a good Roberto story for you. So uh, Jean-Luc Grandpierre came on with us uh, a week or two ago. We, we were talking Columbus uh, before they were eliminated. And yeah. uh, he, play, he played in junior with Roberto. 
And Roberto yeah. was what, like, how he was like 15 or 16? Yes, yes, he was, he an was playing. Double he was, underager. He was underager. Yeah, and these kids are all, you know, 18, 19 years old. And, and like Roberto, you know, Louis trying real hard to get his first win. And they were going, they were going on a penalty kill with only a few minutes left in the third period. And they're all around the bench. Coach is talking, and uh, Jean looks over. Uh, Jean looks over, and Lou is crying his eyes out. So Jean calls a timeout, and the coach is losing his shit. He's like, "Why does he call a timeout? What are you doing?" He's like, "Coach, Lou's crying. <laughs> like, like, Lou's crying. Like, I don't think he wanted that win so bad. He was so like, he, he, yeah, he wanted it, man. He wanted it. Yeah, dude. We've all. You want to get him." Man. We want to get him on so bad. See if we can try and just nonchalantly bring this story up to see if he can confirm it. Sean Luke played in Sweden too, if I'm not mistaken, in yeah. Lexington. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was over there. He's a great guy too, man. <laughs> oh, he was so much did fun. You know that he's a goalie yeah. now. He's a goalie now. No. Oh yeah, he sent me. He sent me like four picks after we interviewed him. In uh, in Bob's equipment, Bobrovsky's equipment, the, the equipment he got from him after uh, when he made a switch, <laughs> he, he looks the part, man. He really does. He's got great, awesome. I don't know, I, great style. I don't, I, I don't know if he can, you know, he can get into his VH or RVH as well as you would. I mean, I mean, he looks he looks the part. That's for sure. He took this one picture where he's just spread out I'll on the back. better than the me right now. I can tell you that. Same here. All three of us. <laughs> but uh yeah man he was uh he, he yeah he, he told us that story about lou which is awesome um and, and you know you guys mentioned about you know picking up practice habits and whatnot from schneider and uh lou um and you know we, we I don't, Cully, did you see that video of hank uh they showed they showed um video of just keeping it within your routine uh in his pre-game skate he oh, yeah, came I off the ice one. he came off the ice and he legitimately does the same exact thing, step by step, every time he steps in the ice pregame. You know, he circles around, shoots one puck in the net. You know, just his his movements. You know, it, you know, knee highs. It was like it, it was like watching the same exact video, but it was from two different games. It was insane. So, like you know, as a young goalie, you know, routine is so key to you know success. Is just keeping within the same routine, find what works for you, and you know, just staying with that routine. And like it was. You know, the proof was right there with Hank. He's just like, literally, how many years has he been in the league now? And he's still doing the exact same thing the second he steps in the ice for his pregame. I came thousand something, you get into a routine, yeah. I guess. <laughs> I guess, yeah. Uh, one thing I learned was, you know, the difference, you know, when I got to the OHL, the difference between goalies that made it to the show or to the AHL and had good careers, it wasn't a ton of talent. It, it became consistency. And, you know, the best way to be a consistent goaltender is to be a creature of habit. And it's something I learned a little bit too late in my career, but I can't wait to check that video out. You know, one of the best guys to ever do it. And, and Hank, and uh, have, so have you ever got to meet um, at any of like the, the, the world championships or anything like that? Have you ever got to interact with Hank? We won one together. Really? 2017. Yeah. Yeah. They won the gold. How was yeah. that? You got a game and you, you had a shutout. He had, he, had a, he had a goose egg. I played one I game remember. and I had a shutout. Yeah. And then they bench you? Come on. What's going <laughs> on? Get on the bench. Get on the bench. Well, it's a little bit different when the king wants to play. When yeah. the king wants to play, <laughs> the king's going to play. Well, what do you think is going to happen with him in the ra- with the Rangers? You know, we got three good uh, goaltenders. I don't know. I, I, I'm, like, pretty disappointed how the Rangers have just handled it, this whole mess and everything. And I think they're kind of been, like – 
uh, shitting on him a little bit, right? And 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 uh, uh, I think that if this was the plan, they should have just traded him and give him a chance to win some win the Stanley Cup somewhere else, right? Yeah. But but I yeah, think he's earned I, that, right? I think he's earned. Yeah, earned that at least to go out on his own terms. And I agree with you, Eddie. I haven't followed it closely, but it just seems like. This guy's done so much for you. He's taken you to multiple Stanley Cup finals and not the greatest teams around him. And the fact that this late in his career, they're kind of doing him dirty like this, is it's a, it's a fucking shame. And um, I know. I he agree. deserves better. So I'm hoping that uh, he, he sticks around for one more year at least and gets to latch on. Even if he's not the guy, I think he'd be great uh, to team up with maybe a younger guy that's just coming into his own. And, and you yeah. know, we're seeing now how many, how many teams are now under their second goalie? right between Colorado and uh, a bunch of these teams. So like, it's so important now to have two guys that can play and play really well. And we're seeing how it's working out in Vegas. I know there's been some controversy there, but Hey, if any, if Leonard falters, you got Marc-Andre Fleury right there. So it's interesting. I hope, I hope that the King gets another, another shot. He's one guy that I'm, I'm rooting for to get that Stanley Cup ring more than anybody. Definitely. He he, he deserves a ring. Who's that? Colorado should have traded for him, I thought. Yeah, they could use him right now. Hey, speaking of, did you guys see the injury to Grubauer? Yeah, I saw it. That was wrong. I know they haven't announced it, but, like, when he went down, he went down, it was almost like a half butterfly with his right leg, but he immediately was laboring his left. Does that look like a a left groin injury to you guys? Groin. Thoughts? Yeah, I was thinking left groin-ish area, hip. That's 46 weeks, I think, 46 weeks probably. Between the three of us, we're all experts on orthopedic stuff, eh? Yeah. <laughs> a bionic goalie. Yeah, right. So, put all put all, put all three of us together. We might have it. We might have an average goalie. Hey, well, I, if, we, if we keep most Eddie's parts, we'll be pretty good. Um, well, I have one last question about that that first run. What was it like being in Vancouver? Obviously, losing that game seven must have been heartbreaking. But just you know, do you remember coming out of there? And did you guys like leaving the rink? Did you see the city losing its fucking mind or what? Oh, yeah. Shit. So. Uh... I just remember being in like the locker room after the game and uh, everyone was just like crying and stuff. And it was just like the worst atmosphere possible. Right. So I pretty much just left uh, right away. Uh, And uh, then when I get back to like the hotel, they were starting to spray like tear, tear, tear gas and everything below right <laughs> and so the guys that just lost they they were stuck at the ring for like four or five hours after the worst loss of their lives right and like that was just like brutal talk about hell on earth like you like I, everybody has their own routine once they lose every I, I just wanted to get out of there gear down hit the shower got the hell out of there Having to be stuck at that rink where it happened, that would be yeah. the fucking worst thing I've ever encountered in my life. Yeah. And, like, your family and friends are there. They're all planning for, like, a huge, like, party when you win tonight. And it's just, like, like yeah, it was it was the worst feeling I've ever – yeah. Ever I re- I re- Cully, I remember, dude, because I remember, the, like, a lot of the, the, the news leading into that game because they've done this once before. Like, uh, the last time they were in the 94. final. They, yep, in 94. 94. Um, you know, 
with uh, that believe with, with Burray when Burray was on the team, and so they had an you know, they, there was a lot of three to one, and they they won back to back games, and that was the Mark Messier promise, yeah. Yep, and you know there was a lot of you know conjectures. Are they going to do it? Is it gonna, is people going to riot again? Like I personally thought people were going to handle a little bit more maturely this time around, but nope, not at all. Like I don't was, think it was, it was wild fans like. Yeah. I just think that it was people that uh, saw an opportunity, opportunity of like what happened before in '94 and everything, and they're just like, "All right, well, like now we're just gonna go and destroy, right?" Like just to be shitheads. Kind of what has happened at like some points uh, around the country here too, with like uh, the protests and stuff has been like peaceful and everything and then there's this like one little click of people where just see an opportunity and just want to destroy right yeah it's i think that's a great comment because like you said i think that a lot of people have done done right by protesting and doing it the right way but then you have a small fraction of shitheads that have come out and taken this opportunity to riots and loots, and now it's absolutely undermining the message that was first started behind this. And it's fucking devastating to see because now the movement itself loses credibility and this small outlier of, a, of, of the population that does not represent this group becomes the, the focal point, right? Exactly. And same thing in Vancouver. It's tough. And I think that, you know, deep down there's this, this awful part of human nature to – to, to go crazy and destroy. I've never personally felt that, but like we see it so much. It's, it's, it's yeah. fucked up. And, and I wish that, that, um, you know, more people, you know, the innocent bystanders would step up and do something. I know it's easy for me to say that because it, it's tough. It gives, it gives the movement a bad yeah. name. It gives, in this case, it gives the city of Vancouver a bad name. And that, that's just a tough thing to, to deal with. So, but back to this, you get called up to the NHL, uh, full time. And, um, you know, what was that 2013, 14? Um, you know, when when Lou got traded, uh, what was that like uh, with with Mark, you and Markstrom being reunited? Good, good. I mean, I I I think it, looking back at it, like with being my first year in the league and everything, like was I ready for it? No, like, but I think that uh, that whole year and like playing like. 25 games in a row right like that was just like a great learning experience for me and that really helped me like better understand what I had to do to like be able to have enough energy to like play that that many games right and 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 uh, uh, I think without that those games in a row that I got that year, I would have not been prepared for it the next year and like played well and everything. But like uh, uh, now that I'd gone through it once, uh, I just felt that I was ready for it uh, the next year. And like that's when I felt that I played my best hockey too. So you go from there, you eventually get traded to Carolina, man. And I remember that because you had some of the fucking the best goalie setups I've ever seen in my life. Oh, yeah. The black – I had the hurricane pads were filthy. Then the, the V pads with a little car- – man, just some fresh gear, bro. Cully, don't forget his Heritage Classic setup. Absolutely. Yeah, those, 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 
Do you still have those? Uh, they are. Uh, I'm actually not sure because I know I have all the masks uh, that I play with, but I'm not sure about the pads. Oh, buddy, I'm, I just saw a picture. Oh my goodness, those are gorgeous. Oh, they're so filthy. Cream and maroon. Are you kidding yeah. me? Six to midnight. Six to midnight. Oh, hurry. Good night, Jim Kite. Those are something else. Bro. And everyone yeah, right. said that they're going to look really good on the bench. But <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. hey, man, you got a good you got a good couple uh, a couple of really good photo ops with them, man. That's all that matters, in my opinion. Yeah. Like you look, you look, you look sexy in, those, in that setup <laughs> for sure. As uh, as they would say at uh, on GGSU, you look you look pretty slutty. <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> So, hey, you go – what was your liking – I know you weren't there too long, but being in Carolina, I mean, did, do you have any fond memories there? Like, who were your goalie partners then? Uh, so, I had Cam Ward for both the years. Uh, I love Cam. Uh, we still stay in touch and everything. And, 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 and yeah, uh, I wish that uh, we could have made the playoffs when I was there because just – Looking now and everything, like, uh, the fans there and, like, everything is just – everyone is just so pa passionate about the team and stuff now. I I just think that when I was there, we were just a little bit too young to be able to compete and everything. And, like, uh, the decor that we had and everything – that was kind of their first and their second years and everything. And I, and I just think that uh, when you see, like, Jacob Slavin now and, like, Brett Pe Pesci and those, those guys now, like, they're studs in the league, right? But uh, that was just a little bit too soon to make the playoffs, I think. Yeah, well, you see now just, like, how – I mean, you must have known at the time, right? Like, these guys are going to be special. It's got to be a little bit frustrating to, you know, put in that work and, and now to see them develop. And, and, man, they have probably the deepest back end or the most exciting. Like, you look at that team and what they're able to do. They have a bright Such future. a bright future, Cully. Real bright future. And, and their back end is incredibly deep. Puck move. They get up in the play so well. Dougie Hamilton. What Now, so Dougie, was Dougie in Calgary when you got to Calgary? Yeah, yeah. He was one of my Ooh, best friends yeah. there, yeah. So I played with Dougie's brother, Freddie. Did you meet Freddie at all? I, I played with Freddie in, Ke in Ke Calgary, too, yeah. Yeah, Freddie's a real good dude, man. I played with him for the Niagara Ice Dogs, and Freddie was the nicest cat ever. Those, those two, me and Michael Backlund, we always went out for dinners together, yeah. Good oh, people. man, that's awesome. So you get to Calgary. Um you go down to play for Stockton. So I was, I spent some time for the Ontario rain, just a quick cup of coffee. What was it like in that playing in that Western AHL loop or was Ontario rain in the AHL then, or were they still in the East coast league? I liked the road trips. Uh, Stockton was just hard, hard for me. Like uh, uh, playing in the NHL for like four and a half years before that. And like, uh, then being sent down like uh, away away from my wife, we just got married and 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 we basically just got settled in Calgary and everything. Like I uh, didn't really feel that I got a ch chance there, right? Like I I 
uh, started two games in like two and a half months, right? So, 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 uh, yeah, it was just tough. And like then going to Stockton and you weren't really allowed to leave the hotel because uh, because of like the crime and the gang yeah, situation. Yeah, not, not the best area there. That they had, uh, had. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I like the team. Like, uh, the guys were great. The coaching staff was great and everything. But, but yeah, I mean, uh, Stockton uh, as a city is definitely not a, a place that I'm going to move, move to anytime soon. Yeah, well, like you mentioned, like you, you get settled with your wife, you're just married, and you, your life kind of gets upended. And going from Calgary to Stockton is like two ends of the spectrum, right? It's not exactly. a hockey city in Stockton. And, um, uh, well, you know what? So you, you bounce from there into New Jersey. Um, what was that like? I, I, you know, did were you up and down with them between them and Binghamton? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, uh, that first year I played, I think I played like three or four games with Jersey, even five, and uh, basically just up and down. Uh, I uh, played some really good hockey, uh, and I was like kind of getting into my groove and everything. I, I fell again, and like then I started – getting the hip issues and everything again and I was just uh, uh, starting to see the light in the tunnel <laughs> I've been there man so it originally bothered you what you had your that hip flexor injury back in Chicago right yeah well, those five so years my, did it linger on you so I had my left hip done uh, in Chicago uh, and then I rehabbed that, and I was back for uh, the NHL season, uh, and about just like a month into that season, uh, the other hip started uh, bothering me and everything, and I was just kind of uh, doing what I could to rehab and stretch and everything like that, right? And 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 I I still had like two or three like good years i felt right but but uh, once uh, uh, i was starting to get some like pain like the nerve damage and everything in the back back of my leg and like that that that's when i kind of uh, started thinking that i need like a surgery and just like to see what's going to happen yeah, man, the hip, the hip, the, you know, the hip issues, especially, you know, when you, when you've been playing and you're, and you're at the, at that age, you know, you know, those are, are really tough to come back from. You know, we have a, uh, actually two, yeah, Olmark and Uka UPL, right, Cully? They both had to have their hips done at a, at a young age. So yeah. like, you know, especially when you're with your hips, man, those, those, you know, those are injuries that linger. Kind of like an uh, was a mid ankle sprain or high ankle sprain. You know they just don't go away after a long time or after a short amount of time. They they linger. Well, the amount yeah, of stress exactly. that, that our position puts on that yep. is constantly with, between the butterfly and even now the reverse VH. Like I'm I'm teaching a guy right now. He just had both of his hips done, and it took three or four months of him being back on the ice before he even was able to effectively 
get that rotation of his hips to seal the post. And I, I never had hips, hip to hip stuff done, but even my knee, people don't realize when you have one, one side of your body have an injury, that other side of your body throughout rehab and compensate more of the pressure. Right. And, and I don't think a lot of non-athletes get that. So obviously you, you had, you went through that Eddie. And I, I mean, Knee injury sucked. Having my meniscus removed sucked, but I always counted my lucky stars that I didn't have the the hip injuries because it's it's so integral to what we do and how we play um, that there's really no way around it, and there's no way to play goalie unless you're going to play Ron Hextall style, you know, with the stand up that I don't think would fly today without putting pressure on your hips. So I that's the thing, like the torque and the rotation has to come from somewhere if it's not your hip it's your knee or your ankle or like whatever right like like something has to give for you to get down into that position right so yeah i mean it's a very unhealthy position to play but it's like yeah the name of our game it's an unorthodox. Yeah, right. it's, it's our body. I, I had an orthopedic surgeon tell me once. He said the position, the butterfly position, and what you do as a goaltender, our body was kinetically not made to do that. We're doing nope. so many unnatural movements and putting so much stress and torque, like you said. Um, it's, it's, it's a wonder more goalies don't deal with that. So, Before we, uh, before we get into you know, some uh, you know, playoff predictions with the Canucks, I just want to ask you, Eddie, you know, we got uh, two Swedish goalies in our system. One, you know, on the big club here at Buffalo with uh, Linus Olmark. And then you mentioned uh, pre-show that you've done some video work with Eric Portillo, who's currently working with uh, Steve Shields at Michigan. You know, just kind of some inside insight on uh, both of them and what you know about them. Uh, yeah, no, like uh, I uh, think that Olmark is a great, great goalie. I, I – I uh, think that Buffalo's issue is not goaltending to just kind of figure out everything around there, right? That's right. Uh, That's right. That's right. You're telling me. How about how about not trading your second line center for for a bag of pucks and watching yeah. the last Stanley Cup the next year? I mean. Uh, that's that's not going to help. That's for sure. But but oh no no. I. I worked with uh, Eric uh, a couple of week, weeks ago here. His uh, agent uh, set, set, set me up uh, through a company that I'm doing with uh, Rob Schremp right now. So the company is called uh, 44 Vision or Vision 44. I always mix those two up. But, but uh, uh, it's basically... A, a online video coaching, right? So uh, I had my my coaching with Eric uh, a couple of week, weeks ago, and and uh, uh, I mean he he's a big big guy, <laughs> like like re- re- really big, but he's really moving well for being that that big, right? So I I mm-hmm. uh, that 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 definitely think that he has like a future in, in, in the NHL hundred percent. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, you know, Steve spoke very highly of him as well. And, uh, you know, again, like Polly mentioned earlier in the episode that, you know, we had, you've seen a lot of 
great goaltenders come, or not even just goaltenders, just great talent come from, you know, the SHL and over in Sweden. And we have one of those defensemen here in Buffalo and Rasmus Dahlin that we're really excited about. So it was cool to, you know, get some uh, insight from you on the both of these young goaltenders. I agree with you. I think Linus has earned his uh, opportunity here in Buffalo. Uh, I took a lot of big steps forward uh, last year compared to the year before, and I'm excited to see what he does with that opportunity. I do think that we need to bring in somebody else to uh, to back him up, you know, have a good 1A, 1B situation. And I also – yeah, right. I don't. I don't know if you. I don't know if Hank would want to come here because I don't think we're close enough to be in a contender as he probably would like. But um, I would love to see Hank in a Sabres jersey. But let me tell you, man, that would be a, that would be a healthy setup, Kelly. Let me tell you. Uh, but uh, I wanted I, I, to. I can't. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. I, was, I was pretty much done. I before we before we let you go, like I I had to ask what um who's really impressed you you know in watching the playoffs here. Um, you know, we touched a little bit on uh, off the air about Markstrom, but you know he's playing some great hockey. And um, you know, who else has really opened your eyes? Uh, I think Mark Mark has been great. I think the just like watching Carter Hard right now, and like how smooth he is, like how he finds his edges and everything. Like he is gonna. Uh, win a few vests, and I think it, like I agree. Like, 10, 15 years here. So uh, he has impressed me. I haven't watched Tampa that much. Uh, so I can't speak of Vasilevsky, but he's always good. Uh, yeah, I mean, Leonard's been good, but I don't think he's been tested as much as those other guys. Oh, no. But Yeah. One quick question on, on Leonard. We've seen a bunch of goalies using the RVH get beat above that short side shoulder. Is that something that – were you tall enough where you were able to get your head lean into it? Like, is there a way – like, I was never able to use it. I used the regular VH on my glove side. I yeah, tried to stay here. patient on my feet, on my blocker side as much as possible. Is there a solution to that short side problem above the shoulder? Or, like, is that something that goalies are going to have to – find a way to I, – I think a lot of guys are overusing it in times when they don't need to. As the puck crosses into that threshold of we should probably get up now, but, I mean, shooters are that good where even right off the goal line where they're seeing them get beat. No, I know. Like, I I, I think that there's a, uh, two di different solutions. Like, one is obviously to get up right away. Uh, the other one that I see right now is, like, goalies kind of trying to, like, make themselves big uh, on the post in the reverse, right? But uh, when they are getting themselves big like that, like they're kind of leaning back. So they're opening it up a little bit instead of uh, being big and leaning forwards, so you're a little bit closer to the puck as well, right? Like that, that, that's like the key that I see now because uh, – a lot of guys just tend to sit back a little bit when they're trying to make themselves big. And, like, when you're doing that, you're really just, like, getting further away from the puck, if that makes sense. No, it's a very well, very well put answer. I agree. Now, you know, before we let you go, Eddie, you know, uh, we just want to, like, you know, get your final thoughts on this playoff series. We're getting ready to go into game two tonight. Uh, and, uh, you know – playing against one of your, you know, your country's uh, counterparts, you know, and Robin Leonard, 
um, another very interesting situation going on in Vegas uh, between uh, with Leonard and Mark Andre Fleury. Um, but you know, just uh, your your overall prediction on this series. You know, you got a lot of players like you know Elias Pettersson. Uh, you know, Quinn Hughes is playing like a ten-year veteran, logging a ton of minutes. Um, JT Miller, you know, really came on the scene in Vancouver this year and really stepped into a big-time leadership role. Bo Horvat is playing out of his mind. Um, you know, unfortunately, you guys dropped game one, you know, five nothing. But uh, you know, what's your prediction for the rest of this series? You know, what is what does Vancouver have to do to, you know, stop that high-power offense? Well, I I. Uh... Put my money on a seven-game series win for Vancouver, so I gotta st- stick with it. I just can't uh, 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 leave them just after one loss, right? But but no, but no way. I do feel like Vancouver is like definitely gonna have to play better than they did last game. I I I felt that they they were maybe a little bit happy. Uh, after like winning the first series and everything, and then like the first game of the next series starts like a day or so later. So I I uh, hope they they I hope that they got a little bit more time to prepare for this one and uh, they're ready to to come out flying. But I definitely think that Mark Mark Markstrom is going to have to steal 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 a few for them. Yeah, I think that we're seeing that the dip. what works for Vancouver against St. Louis, who plays a really heavy game, is is maybe not going to work exactly the same way against Vegas. Vegas is so deep, and outside of that fourth line, I know the fourth line with Reeves and them is heavy, but those first three lines on Vegas, they're so deep. They do such a good job getting their weak side defensemen up in the play and really creating offense off the rush like that. So I think you're right that you had that little lag from that first series show a little bit. Uh, they're going to have to make some adjustments, but you're, you're bang on. Markey's going to have to steal a game or two. And I think early, I think before Vegas, I think Vegas is a team, they get up on you two games. It's fucking tough to come back from that. They're such a downhill team. So if Markey can steal game two or game three, I think, hell, you turn it into a best out of four series, both of you can really decide that. So it's going to be real interesting to see. Yeah, I'm like su- super pumped for the game tonight. Yeah, I'll definitely be watching it too. And I agree. I agree with Collie. Markstrom's gonna have to really play outside himself. Uh, not not saying that he that he can't, but uh, you know he might have to steal a game a game or two here for uh, Vancouver. Um, I know early in that, that that loss, he had to make some big saves, and you know, I agree that they did not look ready to play from right out of the get. Uh, they didn't. You know, I'm not saying there was a lack of focus or anything, but like we are in an unprecedented time where you have to play this condensed schedule where there isn't a lot of time to, you know, sit back and prepare for that for, for game one. You know, like you said, there was like a, a day in between, you know, beating St. Louis and then going into play game one. So, you know, that that is unprecedented for sure. I got one last question. Um, you, you We talked off air, too, that you're now um, – so what is your title at Arizona State? Are you just a goalie coach or are you assistant coach, too? Uh, volunteer tier goalie coach awesome now what any good goalies that you have recruited or committed or in the system right now and what what's that been like for you yeah so we have uh evan the brower which was our starter last last year he uh 
he was the backup to Joey Decord when he was here, here right? Wow. Uh, before he signed with the Suns. Uh, and basically, uh, uh, we were super happy with how he played la- la- last year and, 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 and were, were uh, excited to see him. This year, he's a little bit stronger, a little bit more more mature, and like uh, when he was jo- Joey's backup, he didn't start a game the entire year, right? So uh, that was just like a learning curve for him to just like start playing games at the college level and everything again. But but I I think that he's gonna be very good for us. The uh, the the this year and uh, then we have Cole Brady who's a Jersey draft pick uh, he's coming in this year too uh, with the COVID and everything I haven't been able to be on the ice with him yet but I'm getting tested this week and then I'm starting with the boys ne- next week so I'm I'm uh, really really excited to work with him he's a big guy like uh, and move mo- moves well too right so yeah i'm uh, su- super excited for this uh, season well arizona state just grabbed a new fan in me man I- i'm looking forward to following along sure. and i can't wait once everything gets back to normal we'd love to have you back on once your guys season gets going to get an update on how you boys are doing it's it's been fun to see hockey in the desert really take shape and, um, you know, really people coming around. I know you guys got that new rink coming soon. That should be sweet. Yep. We got the sunshine, new rink, great team. What else can you ask for? An awesome volunteer goalie coach. That's it right yeah. there. <laughs> well, hey, I, that's all, right. all I got, Dwayne. I really appreciate your time, Eddie, man. It's been a blast. I really enjoyed watching you. You know, you're somebody that I looked up to as I was coming through the ranks. Um, you know, he had a tremendous career and, it's awesome to, you know, get me and Dwayne coach too and to see somebody of your, you know, that had your career be able to give back to these goalies. They don't know how lucky they are, man. So thanks for everything that, you know, the time you spent with us and everything you continue to do for the game and the position, man. Thank you, boys. Thank you for having the stuttering suite on your podcast. I appreciate it. <laughs> we love you. No, man. you were perfect, man. We love you. I can't wait to have you on again, man. Hopefully we'll be uh... – Maybe it'll be, maybe it'll be, you know, a few weeks from now. Maybe we'll be talking uh, Canucks in the Western Conference final. We'll see. Or in the Let's finals. I, honestly, I'm all in. I'm all in on Vancouver. I've made it vocally known that I'm all in on this team. They remind me so much of that er, those early uh, Blackhawks teams that were so successful. They have yeah. the same type of core. I, I'm, I'm all in on Vancouver, man. They're my, they're my team to go from the West. Let's go. Let's do it. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, this has been Eddie Lack on Two Goalies, One Mike. Uh, you'll hear from our sponsors in a minute, but seriously, Eddie, thanks again, man. You're a true beauty. Thanks, boys. Absolutely. I appreciate it. <laughs> we'll see All you. All right. Talk to you soon, Ed. <laughs> so, Dwayne, awesome interview. Eddie's such a good guy, man, and he's very oh, for sure. And um, for somebody that's not a native English speaker, for him to break down some of the goalie stuff was incredible. Uh, loved, loved his insight. Arizona State, those goalies don't know how lucky they are, man. He's going to be great in, in his coaching role. I wouldn't be surprised to see him coaching in, in the show in a few years, man. Oh, yeah. It's just the way that he, you know, like you said, articulated the position in certain, in certain aspects of the position. Uh, you know, you could definitely tell he has a future in, in coaching. I know he does real estate right now, uh, um, just judging from following his social media uh, activity. But, 
Um, I definitely think he has a future in coaching without a doubt. For sure. Um, real quick, before we shut it down, uh, we're, we're recording this in the middle of Tampa Bay and uh, Boston. Did you see Bogosian um, step outside of his body on that two-on-one and make that Yeah, pass? Dude, yo, did you, did you see the first goal by Boston? It was on a, on a – uh, Bogosian was taking a shot from the point. His stick, stick snapped. Yeah, stick shit. And then they, 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 they shit itself. Then they go the other way and score. They go the other way and score. And then Bogosian just out of nowhere turns into Sid the Kid and just makes this diving pass over. It's just hey, like, wow, dude, where did that the, come from? I think those two shifts perfectly encapsulate the Bogosian. You got to deal with the horrendously bad, his stick um, spontaneously combusting into a million pieces at the blue line. You know, it was so know, funny know, to see him react to oh that. Oh, my God. Well, his Probably, boots are you know so goddamn slow, he had no chance. Of oh, kicking. no. Yeah, there's no – the only way he gets that passed over is by diving face first at the puck. Only way that happens. You, you got to take the you know, good with the bad, man. I know you know what the good, the bad, and the color, right? Oh, buddy. <laughs> Listen, I, I, uh, you know, as much as heat that he took while he was here in Buffalo, I think ninety percent of that was obviously not just the injuries, but the fact that we were paying him a ton of money for him to not be on the ice. I know injuries did take a big chunk of his game away, but you know he did a lot of good for the city. You know, I know with the logo oh, bunch, guy, man. He's, he's a great guy. He, his yep. character was never in question for me. I think that no, never signed him to that big ticket, and then, like you said, the injuries, and then it's just it's hard to get off the schneid there. Once when you're paying a guy that much, like I've always said, he can be an effective third pair defenseman in this league. And he's I agree, in Tampa. But when you're paying him that money in Buffalo, you're not paying him to be a third third pair defenseman. So that well, created that animosity with the fans. I agree. He took a lot of shit while he was here. Man, I, I'll be the first one to say I'm happy to see him doing well. But it's impossible not to laugh your ass off when his fucking stick looks like it just got fucking a howitzer blown to hell. Oh, my God. Line. Yeah. Actually, Cully, I don't know. I know last series he was playing a lot with Hedman. He was on yeah. the first pair. Yeah, I forget who went down. Maybe it was Callahan went down, and then uh, he stepped in. Um, yeah. Not Callahan. What the fuck am I talking about? Um, Is it uh, McDonough? Yeah, McDonough. Both X-Rangers. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. I'll, I'll pay a fine for that one. That's tough. Jesus. <laughs> Come on, Cully. Um, no, yeah, he he stepped in, played all right, man. And, and like, he's doing well. And he, Like I said, you're on a good team, and the weights of the world isn't on your shoulders. And I felt like he took a lot of that here in Buffalo. Like, he, he was a leader. He, he was a part of that group that came in that wanted to turn things around, and, and they couldn't. And sometimes, as a pro, like, you fucking own – you wear that every day, man. That gets daunting. So, good to see him do well. He's working on the tan a little bit there. You see this fucking guy. Yeah. Living the dream in Tampa. Uh, but they're locked right now, two to two. I don't know why, yep. man. I'm pulling for Boston. I like pasta, and um, yeah, who doesn't like pasta? I like pasta I'm too. Uh, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'll tell you what, though. I'm getting sick of these fucking Dunkin' Donut commercials. Just like the five dollars oh, long invasion. I make a, I make it uh, every little bit in the penalty box. <laughs> yeah, so fucking mix up the commercials here. I see. I don't even mind the the Pink Whitney uh, commercials with the Paul missed the net. But it's the five dollars. They're all getting overplayed. It's like fucking NBC mixing some new fucking commercials here. You know. Oh my God! Do you remember the Adelphia commercials? Uh, you know with Hashik. Cup crazy those? 2000. Uh, That's all the hashtag that, I remember. Cup crazy there, there, there was one. Must see, must there see. Was, see that, that one, must see, must uh, see. Must and see, must I think see, Jit, Jit, Jitnik comes through and lays that guy out, and they just sit and uh, – what is it? Oh, they sit man. on the couch together. 
I want to. I, I would love to read the inside story. Um, stunt double paid to react. Jitnik breaks stunt double's back. Guys paralyzed. <laughs> guys paralyzed for life. No. Um, you, uh, hey, my dad will appreciate this because he's a big. He's a big commercial guy. So you know, me calling for some new commercials is going to get him fired up. I love it. Good old Tommy right. Cullen here. I, I know. I watched. Uh, you know, before we came on, I was watching that on, on was it NHL Network or no NBC. That, have you seen that Russian Five documentary yet? Yes, unbelievable. Watched it right oh, when it came out. I was in Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah, that was that was I, you know, I rewatched it uh, on NBC today, man, and just how the ending with the whole Constantine off stuff. That was fucking. You know, I was, yeah, sad. That was a real tearjerker there at the end, and how they came together and won that cup in '97, '98. I didn't realize that they were all together, like leaving the golf course after yep. winning the cup when it happened. Like, if anybody hasn't watched it. Um, I think I rented it for like a couple bucks, but it, man, it was an awesome, awesome w- watch that documentary folks. Fucking phenomenal. For sure. Um, and it, it, which, it really is unbelievable. Um, there was another documentary called the, the last of the ice guardians or something about, uh, I forget the title. I, I've seen, I know what you're talking about. I haven't watched it, but I know what you're talking give about. Give it a watch. Our listeners, give it a watch. Awesome content from them. I'm all for the extra hockey content, man. It's great. So I want to, I love anything that has to do with the defection of Russian players oh, to that the, time period, to the, fascinating. To I took. Oh my God! I minored in Russia in, in Russian for a year, and although I ended up not following through with it because I would have had to go to Mother Russia, um, I I originally took the course because I knew a couple of swear words in Sukhobliet, Chutes, and Yemutak. Um, for any Russian speakers, you know, fire us up in the comments if you knew what I said. Bliet! <laughs> Ever seen Ovechkin come back to the bench? He mouthed this Bliet! Bliet! No, anyways, so I took that class, and one of the one of the classes we took was like. Uh, the fall of the Soviet Union kind of thing. And we touched on the hockey part of it. It was fucking – that whole time period fascinates the shit out of me, dude. I'll be the oh first one to say yeah. really interesting. And the Mogilny, how he ties the into Mogil- that. I was, I was literally about to say that the Mogilny stories are insane. I, I forget which and coach. The Fatisov story. Yeah. The, 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 the one story was in the locker room. Um, he, I, I want to say it was Mike Keenan who was trying to intimidate Mogilny. And Mokilny looks at him, I, I don't know for sure if it was Keenan, uh, but he looks at him and goes, are you, you think you're going to intimidate me? I came from Russia. The KGB threatened to kill me and my family. It's like, there's literally nothing you can do or say that's going to intimidate me. And he it's literally said, like, it ain't happening. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Mike Keenan. And like, he goes, Mike, he's like, didn't know what to say. He was so taken aback. First off, a player never talked to him like this. And secondly, what do you say to that? You're not going to intimidate me, man. The Russian, essentially the Russian mafia threat, were threatening the lives of not just me, but my entire family for me to even get here to play for you, you fucking pigeon. Yeah, dude. Awesome. And there's another, um, you hear my dad laugh in the background. That's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I heard him. He loves it. Um, another good documentary I forget of, of miracles and men and it's kind of like the um it talks about the it culminates with the 1980 miracle game but from the Russian side and uh Fatisov was in that too man really really good stuff I really of miracles and men fucking fascinating but hey before uh before we go we uh we appreciate you guys tuning in um be sure to you know give our sponsors a shout here we always play them at the end for you guys to give them a sniff here and um you know, you got you had some good stuff there with the cool down gear, gear down. Oh, good God, Cully. Cool, cool down, gear down. Cool, Jesus, I'm gear, gear down, cool down. So, um, also in some giveaways here. Are we all done with the giveaways for the Royal Blue stuff, or any more coming up? Uh, no, I did. I did announce the uh the winner. 
of the uh, the hat, uh, the Let's Sam Reinhardt stick. Yep, yep, the Sam Reinhardt stick will be. Uh, I'm sorry, will be uh, announced on the 29th, along with I believe the uh, winners from the Gear Down Cooldown videos, um, which we're still promoting. I do want people to you know look into that. Just search the hashtag Gear Down Cooldown. Um, and you could uh, enter to win some cool stuff from Better Biscuit, Easy Go. I know they're giving away nuts and um, some pucks. So uh, I do know that they're going to start announcing some winners on the 29th as well. So a uh, big if day. If you haven't already, get after it. Some cool prizes up from our sponsors. And you know what? That's awesome stuff, all for a good cause. Um, yep. We got – I want your prediction, Vancouver, Vegas tonight. What do you got? Because by the time this airs, I think tremendously right or tremendously wrong, brother. All right, I think I think Vancouver is gonna gonna pull one out here. I think this is one of those games that Markstrom's gonna steal for them. I'm gonna predict like a four-three win in overtime. Uh, one thing I have to mention is Anton Kadobin has been playing off of his cock. This guy's been lights. Oh my out. god, yeah, He's playing really well. They, uh, I go back to that Avalanche game. Um, Ian Cole, they're up two nothing. Takes the dumbest fucking penalty ever. They end up going yep. down five on three, and right there, I hate to say this because, you know, you can't – hockey such an ebb and flow game. You can't point to one point that lost the game, but everything changed in that moment with Ian Cole taking that penalty. Before you know Stupid it – Stupid penalty. That fucking goal goes off Joe Pavelski up and over Frank Francois, Frank Clue, whatever his name is. He uh, – and you know what? I feel for him. He hasn't been playing terrible, but that's a game where, you know, you need to make that stop because Kadobin – Kadobin, Kadobin. Kadobin, Kadobin. playing great hockey. I'll tell you what. I, I went back and listened to the Cam Jansen interview, and I predicted the Avalanche, you know, handling that series. Dallas is a fucking scary team right now, and I'm coming out and saying it. Tuesday, 9-13, uh, August 25th, Dallas Stars are going to win the Stanley Cup. Oh, I can't. I can't. I can't. I know. I, I know. I know. Yeah, Breaking a lot of painful I memories. And I, I can't. I, it does. It does. They have to beat the Avalanche that I like. Um, they have to beat Philly in the finals that I like, you know, like I, I don't like saying it, but I'm just telling you, they're fucking hey, scary right now. Listen, hey, I mean, Philly, uh, Philly's losing that series too, surprisingly Philly's enough. Getting uh, get packed in. Yep, they are. And, um, dude, you know, New York, I didn't very for, got the Islanders playing like the goddamn devils. For oh my life. God. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to go over two, I think with the Islanders, I predicted them to lose last series and now. You know, they, uh, but again, just, just like Colorado, uh, not Colorado, uh, Vancouver in game one, it looked like just Philly wasn't all there. Well, you know, second they period, weren't ready to play. They pushed back. They had a really good second oh, period. Oh, yeah. That. Carter Hart had some huge saves early on, some huge saves. Well, you know what's awesome about the game. Islanders is they suffocate you, and that's why I brought up that they are the fucking New Jersey Devils from our childhood. They suffocate yeah. you through the neutral zone. In the defensive zone, they back the, the way that their defensive zone, the way that they're able to rotate on that, not even that, the way they're able to rotate through and under their neutral zone forecheck, they give you nothing through the middle of the ice. They keep it to the outside. They do a tremendous job blocking shots, clearing pucks. But here's the, here's the kicker. They have a game breaker in Matt Barzell that can really – and he killed you with that fucking second goal, the assist that he made. That's all they need because they don't need more than one or two goals. They're getting some really good goaltending from Varlamov. Let's not count him out either. He hasn't been asked to make a ton of big saves, but when they have needed him, he's been there. And, man, I'll tell you what, if they, if they win, he's the fucking Conn's Mike. Like, he's going under the radar right now. Anders Lee's playing great. Barzell's playing great. But, fuck, dude, he is – He's not over about J.G. Pajot. Oh, yeah. But Bellevue. Bellevue. C'est la vue, Bellevue. Sorry. Everybody but, you know, soul for my friend. <laughs> I'm sorry. But, bro. you know, I, I, you know I, I said it last episode, too. You know, Philly's got a really good opportunity, or even if they don't advance past the Islanders, 
you know, you got a good young goaltender like Carter Hart that you have on the cheap right now. They should be investing so much into building in front of him right now while they have him so cheap because just like Eddie Lack said, you know, he's going to win multiple Vesnas over the course of his career. Just, you know, he doesn't look like one of those goalies. I mean, and not to sit here and say a two-time Stanley Cup winner is, you know, a one and done because, you know, you know, Matt Murray has won two cups, but I just, I, 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 no. I, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I just, I don't see them as being the same goaltenders. I think Carter Hart's so much better. And I think he has so much brighter of a future, a future, even, even if Carter Hart just wins one cup, I still, I still look at that as more as what he will have much, a much more successful career than what Matt Murray has had, because I just think Matt he's a better Murray's goaltender. Be out of the league in two years. Yeah, you know, he's like an Antti Niemi, you know what I mean? Like, Antti Niemi came on the scene that first, that one year with Chicago, won Chicago a cup. and then they won the cup with me and you in that, bro. Oh, my God, absolutely. Crawford, they've won, they've won two more with Crawford. And not, I guess Crawford, but he's not an elite goaltender. He's not a I great don't think goaltender. Crawford's he's very good. Like, I've never thought Crawford's no, he's, a, he's an average goaltender. He's an average goaltender at best. You, you have that team in front of him that's so fucking good, just built to win and just built to sustain success. Same thing with what Colorado's doing. Same thing with what Vancouver's doing. They're building for sustained success. And I just hope Buffalo can get their fucking heads out there. You've seen that trade? You've seen that trade today with Pittsburgh and uh, Pittsburgh and uh, Toronto. Toronto. Yeah, you know, Casper Kapanen going back to Pittsburgh for apparently Jim Rutherford just decided to say, fuck it, I'm just going to trade, you know, some of my best pieces, my young pieces. Not Evan Rodriguez, not Evan Rodriguez, but you know, you give a first round draft pick, a first round draft pick for Casper Cabinet, a third liner at best. Yeah, I, you know, I don't hate the trade. I think um, they're Pittsburgh's trying to put good players around Malkin and Crosby. They gave up Pontus Aberg and then one good prospect. So I think time will tell um, with that trade. They're, they're obviously Toronto's clearing cap space. Fuck Toronto. Um, yeah, they are they are clearing the cap space, and they did do that. So I mean, yeah. Hey, listen, if if it works out, and if if um, Kapanen can make some make some noise with Malkin or Crosby, I think that's a good trade. So only time will I hope so, something man. like that. I get I get that windows closing, Cully. I I understand it, but I just I that that isn't worth a first round draft pick to me at all. Yeah, but I mean that goes to show you that maybe Rutherford has a better idea of what a fifteenth overall pick is in this draft. You got, you know what I mean? I, like, I always give the benefit of the doubt to – now, I don't want to say GMs because clearly some GMs are idiots. But um, <laughs> a guy like Rutherford that's been doing this for a long time, we talked about it in our first show that there is a formula that these teams use. Every team's formula is different about how to value these picks and where they fall with each draft class. Rutherford assigned a value to that 15th overall pick this year. And for all I've heard, it's a, it's a good draft, but the value drops off after 10. So, I mean, hey, he could have said fuck it, and he got a guy in Kasperi Kapanen that's ready right now, like you said, that they got to win now. Speaking of falling off, did Claude Giroux forget how to fucking shoot a hockey puck? I don't know, man, dude. Like, he just did not look like the Claude Giroux who used to watch him play hockey. He, just, he looked fucking terrible. You know, the whole team, the whole team. Not even just Claude, man, just the whole fucking team. Carter Hart in that first period. Oh, Kevin like Hayes was awesome, ready to play. by the way. Oh, yeah, Kevin Hayes, yeah. Um, you know, I just, uh, you know, I don't know what to think of the East right now. The East is a, is a crapshoot. I don't know. Um, I think whoever wins Tampa, Boston is, uh, and this is kills me because I picked Philly. Whoever wins Tampa, Boston is going out of the East. You think so? And again, I can't say that because fucking New York. 
They present a problem. They're a matchup nightmare for everybody. And if they continue to get secondary scoring throughout their whole lineup, oh, don't call that. Oh, good. Barry, Barry Trot. I mean, Barry Trot is he's the best coach in the national right now. He's the best coach in the national. Anybody? Oh, Charlie Coyle. Ah, oh, Charlie Coyle, friend of the program, um, from Weymouth, Weymouth, Massachusetts. So hey, get this. I got the real quick story. Uh, one of the coaches that I'm, I'm buddies with, um, he coached Charlie Coyle and, and blah, 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 blah. I was down there for the Charter Cup, and then uh, I took a 40-minute Uber down to Charlie. It's, it's Charlie Coyle's neighbor and his best friend, um, friend of the program. And I partied, I partied at, this, at their backyard. So it's in the middle of the night. I'm there with a couple degenerate, like, older guys, right, and for Boston. One guy's, uh, like, the most prominent DWI lawyer in Boston whose house we're at. I end up fucking – I'm loaded. I, I strap up um, catcher leg, – leg pads for catchers, a baseball glove, a street hockey blocker. I'm on a tennis court, blackout drunk. I, I bet Red Sox – I was going to get Red Sox tickets to a Yankees game. If I lost, I had to give him 100 bucks. If he took 10 shots on – they had this fucking sports court. Anyways, long story short, I got fucking snizzed. I didn't get the Red Sox tickets, but, yeah. <laughs> God, the problem. William oh, that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. I woke like, up. I woke up the like, next morning. We're playing at 8 a.m. And they're like, Collie, why do you have a black eye? I'm like, oh, I got hit in the fucking face with a street hockey puck. Jesus, coach. <laughs> Where the hell were you? Ah, Charlie Coyle's neighbor's house. Fucking Weymouth. Oh, <laughs> That's man. awesome. That's fantastic. Well, hey, on that note, <sighs> we'll end the show. Um, real quick, it's 2-2, 14 minutes left in the Tampa game. Who do you got? Uh, I think Tampa's going to take this one. Even up the series. Um, yep. Well, you know what? I hope you guys enjoy this interview. Eddie was a fucking real treat. Uh, Dwayne, as always, it's been a pleasure, my friend. Yeah, don't forget to listen to Cam Jansen. I always dropped that two days ago. Oh, buddy. Um, guy, was, guy was so much fun to talk to. I can't to wait, to, I have can't wait to have him back on, back. dude. I know I say that a lot, but he, he was fucking electric. He was so much fun. He was so he much fun, man. He moves the He's needle. the guy. He, oh, for sure. He's the guy you definitely want to go get a beer and wings with. Hundred percent, buddy. We it sounded like he was—he was, was going to take us up on our offer. Like, I yeah, you know, the flight I, down I, here I, right dude, away. You know, you might—you might have to have a lawyer on speed dial for the next day because I got a feeling we go out with Cam Jansen, we're going to get into some trouble. We'll just call my buddy, the drunk, <laughs> drunk driving lawyer from Boston in Weymouth. He'll be on call that night. Don't don't even have know, know his name. Just like the guy from Weymouth. Uh, no, I know his name. Why can't I fucking think of it? It's probably because I was blackout drunk. That's why. Um, Smoke him if you got him. But anyways, uh, any final thoughts here? Great interview with Eddie Lack. We can't wait to drop this one for you guys. And, uh, yeah, fucking Eddie Lack's the man. He is, man. It was a lot of fun to have him on. Um, can't wait to see what the future holds with him at Arizona State and coaching in general because I got to think he's got a good future in it. Yeah, and if you're listening, Claude Drew, figure it the fuck out. Kevin Hayes' back hurts because he's been fucking carrying the team, him and Carter Hart. Fuck. I know. I don't think Claude's listening. Yeah. Fuck. Uh, probably not. I don't know if Claude's a friend of the show. Uh, not a friend of the program, confirmed. <laughs> All right, well, hey, this has been episode 29 of Two Goalies, One Mike. I'm Kid Cully for Dwayne Steinel. You guys have a safe evening. This podcast is brought to you by Mitt's Barbershop, created and owned by a true friend of the program, Justin Gritsky. Mitt's is a modern-day barbershop that provides a cool atmosphere featuring some of the greatest barbershops Buffalo has to offer. Come in, enjoy a free beer, play some video games, and get the best haircut in the area. 
When I asked Justin what sets Mitts apart from the evil chain, super-duper cuts that we see at every intersection, his answer says it all. My vision was to create the only true barbershop in Cheektowaga. When customers walked in, I wanted them to get that feeling they got when they strolled into the barbershops of old. The golden era of what a barbershop meant, not just a place to get your hair cut. So if you're looking for the real deal, come on down to Mitts to get the real feel of what a true barbershop is and what it's supposed to be. The clear-cut top dog for all your haircutting needs look no further than Mitts Barbershop. And when you mention that two goalies and one mic sent you in, receive $5 off your haircut that day. Talk about customer service at its finest. Located at 3461 Genesee Street in Cheektowaga, it is located right next door to the 33 Speakeasy Bar and Grill. Their phone number is 868-1424, and their hours are Monday, 12 to 6, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. On Saturday, they're open from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. and closed on Sundays because why not? Everybody deserves a little Sunday fun day. I want to finish this ad read off by reading a great testimonial from one of Mitt's loyal customers. Tired of the cookie cutter salons trying to get your attention? Also tired of those men-focused salons? Then when you leave, you feel like you just visited a Supercuts for Men and the haircut isn't any better? Then Mitts is the place for you. Great cut, very professional, great atmosphere. A great place for men to get cut and trimmed up. I'm honestly a little sad I'm only visiting Buffalo because I need something like Mitts back home. You heard it here first. Come on down to Mitts for a great cut and an even better experience. We're happy to have them as a sponsor to the show, and we hope you join us in finding out what makes Mitts just so special. Thanks again to Justin and all the hard work him and his staff do. And without further ado, we'll kick it back to Two Goalies, One Mike. This podcast is brought to you by Better Biscuit. Better Biscuit is a hockey training tool designed to help you develop your game. These fiberglass reinforced pucks are developed to handle less than perfect surfaces, enabling hockey players of all ages to practice their skills in their driveway, basement, or schoolyard, honing their skills whenever and wherever possible. It comes in two different styles. The Better Biscuit Sniper helps players develop forehand, backhand, one-touch, saucer, drop passing, and shooting, ideal for perfecting those toe drags, puck control, and stick handling. The other option is the Better Biscuit Passer. The passer will help you develop softer hands and help you become more accurate with your passes and stick handling will also help you improve your puck possession confidence for any skill level. Be sure to check out Better Biscuit at betterbiscuit.net for all your hockey training needs. Thanks again for all your support, and be sure to check out Better Biscuit. Now back to the show. 
I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all had. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com.